podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. This is what you think of when we say Dutch cricket. But let me take you to an upset back before this. Wally Grout, the Australian keeper, is opening with Bill Laurie. And Grout is confused. Not because the opposition is virtually unknown, but because the fielders are discussing strategies in Dutch. This is unusual because cricket was born in England and had been played by her colonies. English was the language of cricket for Grout and, realistically, most others. So Grout asks home captain Peter Van Arkel, Hey sport, what's going on here? Van Arkel spoke some English. So sorry Mr Grout, I moved slip to fine leg. This is not the first time Grout has come across the language that day. The authorities had put up a notice. Australian wint de toss ent batten den batten at the Hague Cricket Club. The reasonably large scoreboard also describes the two teams as HCC and BEZ. HCC is the Hague Cricket Club, and BEZ is short for Berserker, or Visitors. This is 1964, and the Australians are playing a one-day, one-innings match on a matting wicket. It is Australia versus Netherlands. Bobby Simpson had led Australia to a 1-0 win in the Summer's Ashes in England. He scored a triple century himself. He decided to give this tour match a skip. Four decades later, Simpson would return to the Netherlands as their coach. But this is still a strong Australian side. Brian Booth is leading them. There is Grout, Laurie, Graham McKenzie, Norm O'Neill, Bob Cowper, Alan Connolly, Peter Burge and Tom Beavers. But they didn't know much about their opposition and they certainly weren't expecting a fast bowler. But that's what they face in Ben Trizella, who gets Laurie and Booth early. A banker called Wendert Pierhagen gets Berg. Booth follows soon. Trizella hits Jack Potter in the head. Potter is ruled out of the match. Funny aside, Jack Potter is probably the first bowler who actually bowled the Dusra. Trizella then gets Cowper. The Australian team is bowled out for 197, and the Dutch openers go out and add 99. P.A. Marcel and Pim van der Vet make 77 and 45. Booth is desperate at this point, and he throws the ball to Bob Cowper to bowl some offspin. That seems to slow the Dutch down, but Captain Van Arkel holds the fort with a solid 47 as the wickets fall at the other end. Eventually, the Netherlands will need 17 runs with three wickets in hand. At the crease are Rudy Onstein and Albert Weinhausen. Runs come in singles. There is only time for one more over, and Booth backs Cowper again, who has already taken four wickets. But Cowper can't stop the runs. The Dutch now need seven in four balls. Onstein hits a six, then he hits another. This one lands outside the ground. The Netherlands beat an Australian side that England failed to beat in the same summer. Two years later, they become an ICC associate member. This is a series of Double Century all about mischances, the teams that got away. For the longest time, the narrative of cricket was that only the teams who ended up with test status actually loved the game. But there have been others that have shown that same passion, but who, for many varied reasons, did not move into the test game. In this episode, it's the Netherlands, the first nation outside Britain and her colonies to play serious cricket. They have beaten Australia and England twice, and their women have even played a test match. 
There was a Dutch cricketer who impressed so much on a tour of England that he was invited to play for an English side. Not Ryan Tendiscata. A century before Tendo, there was Karst Postuma, a left-arm fast bowler. Today, the Netherlands is known more for football, but Postuma was born about a decade before associate football was first played in the country. He was the first Dutch sporting superstar. He was also a global authority on roses. He may also be the only person who has ever been those two things at the same time. Cricket was played in Schavingen in the 1780s. By the early 18th century, it was reasonably popular, but not particularly organised. The first steps towards that came from Frederick Martin Cowan, a teacher who arrived from England. Around 1845, he started cricket at the Northy Boys School. In the media, cricket first found its mention in 1848 in the newspaper Al Gaim Handel's Blood. By the end of the 1850s, there were several cricket clubs in the Netherlands. By 1888, they had 18 clubs and around 300 players. What they needed was an icon, and Postuma was that. He was genuinely quick. All the databases from that era describe him as fast. Not medium fast, not fast medium. But he also had a well-disguised slow ball and could slide in a faster off-break. He took 2,338 wickets in all forms of recorded cricket. His bowling average was 8.67. He could also hit the ball hard. In 1894, he became the first to score 100 in Netherlands domestic cricket. In 1900, he became the first to take wickets in a Dutch season. But in that era, to establish yourself, you had to impress the English. He toured England in 1892 and 1894, and he took plenty of wickets, but these were not against the top sides. But in 1901, when the Dutch got reasonably strong opponents, Postuma took 10 wickets in three innings against the MCC. Against the gentleman of Surrey, 8 for 170. He would then play against WG Grace's London County. Postuma got 4 for 160. Not great figures, but enough to impress Grace. When the MCC toured Netherlands in 1902, Postuma took 11 wickets in the match, and Grace invited him to play for London County in 1903, which was a team that played in Crystal Palace Park, which was famous for the early statues of dinosaurs, and I suppose the living dinosaur of W.G. Grace. Postuma played five times for Grace's team. He took 10 for 103 against Leicestershire and 8 for 91 against the MCC. He took 23 wickets at 15 in those five matches, and they were the only first-class cricket he ever played. Sadly, Postuma's achievements went in vain because cricket was already in the decline in the Netherlands. During the Boer Wars, the Dutch sided with the Boers. Their youth did not want to play a sport that was seen as British. In 1910, the Dutch were invited to the four-nation Brussels exhibition tournament to play against the MCC, Belgium and France. Sadly, though, that did little to change the situation. The first phase of Dutch cricket ended with the First World War, when many young cricketers signed up for the army. The British soldiers posted in the Netherlands played cricket in the Dutch League, but again, that did not turn the tide. There were attempts to revive cricket once the war got over. De Flamingos was founded in 1921. They were a touring club, and they have been touring England for a century. In 1930, Harlem had a women's cricket club. But the Second World War destroyed it all again. Grounds were requisitioned, travel became risky and restricted, and once again, the young signed up for the war. Yet, cricket found a way back. In 1946, the Dutch League had 58 teams. By 1968, they had 135, and Duff Flamingos kept touring regularly. 
But more importantly, at this time, test-playing nations sometimes came to play during their tours of England. And there were other international matches as well. In 1955, Netherlands began to play tests, and that's what they called them, against Denmark. From 1970, they played Ireland. From 1979, it was Scotland. All these contests would later become one-day matches because one-day cricket was the only logical, sustainable way to play this much cricket where it was seldom professional in a non-professional country. But because of the standard of cricket in the Netherlands and all these different games that were playing, Dutch cricket has actually started to get really good and they started to get picked up for county teams. Seam bowler Paul John Bucker played for Hampshire. All-rounder Roland Lafabra played for Somerset and Glamorgan. Andre Van Troost played for Somerset. Baz Zuderant for Sussex. These are players that were well-known on the county circuit. They were heroes to some people. They're still discussed now when you talk about that era of county cricket. They made a real impact on the county game. And that trend still continues. Ryan Tentascata had a long career with Essex. Colin Ackerman plays for Leicestershire. Brandon Glover for Northamptonshire. Tim Van Gutten for Glamorgan. Fred Clarsen is at Kent. Paul Van Meekeren has played for everyone, I think. Rolla van der Merwe once played for South Africa, and he now plays for the Netherlands and Somerset. And with all those good cricketers coming through, it was only a matter of time before they beat another top team after that win against Australia. In 1989, an England 11 toured the Netherlands. Peter Roebuck captained them. They had Alex Stewart, Nasser Hussein, David Capel, Rob Bailey, and Derek Pringle. But the Netherlands had a Barbadian called Nolan Clark. Scoring big runs against England was not particularly new to him. When England toured the West Indies in 1973-74, Clark played against them for Barbados. He scored 159 off Jeff Arnold, Chris Old, Mike Hendrick, Derek Underwood and Pat Pocock. He then took up a coaching job in the Netherlands and at the age of 41, his batting was, well, just as good. And against this England 11, he smashed 77 out of a total of 176. The Dutch won by three runs. And get this, it wasn't even a one-off. England toured again in 1993. Nasser Hussein was back. There was also Darren Goff, Richard Blakey, Mark McKay. But England managed only 188 for seven, and the Dutch won by seven wickets. The star of this match was Peter Cantrell, who was born in New South Wales and had spent three seasons playing for Queensland in the Sheffield Shield. In the 1990-1991 Ashes, he came on as a substitute fielder and caught Alex Stewart and Angus Fraser. But the Netherlands' greatest win of this period was in 1994, against a very strong South African side who were touring England for the first time since their readmission to cricket. A seamer called Floris Janssen undid South Africa that day. In his first spell, he got three wickets, including Andrew Hudson and Gary Kirsten. He finished with three for eight from eight overs. South Africa got 134 for eight in their 40 overs. Clark and Cantrell added 122 for the first wicket, and the Netherlands won with nine overs in hand. The Netherlands' first change bowler in this match was Flavian Aponzo, a bespectacled Sri Lankan who had received a life ban when he toured South Africa with the Rebel side in 82-83. Aponzo batted in the top order, and he bowled off spin. Two years later, the Netherlands would play in the World Cup for the first time. Stephen Lubbers led this team and men who had played in England, Australia, Sri Lanka, West Indies, assembled to represent the Netherlands. At 47, Nolan Clark became the oldest ODI cricketer in history. At 43, Aponzo scored 58 against Pakistan, the oldest cricketer to score an ODI 50 back then. Netherlands lost all five of its matches, but they were back for the 2003 edition. 
This time, they had their first World Cup victory, beating Namibia. Feiko Kloppenberg scored 121 and took 4 for 42 in that match. He became the sixth cricketer to score 100 and take four wickets in an ODI. And in the 2007 World Cup, they beat Scotland. By then, Ryan Tentascata had arrived. It's a shame that only 33 of his matches got ODI status. He is famous for his batting average of 67, scoring 1,541 runs. But Tendo also took 55 wickets at 24 apiece. It's also worth noting that for Essex, Tendo had 11,000 runs and 2,000 wickets in first-class game. He wasn't the only star that the Netherlands had. Dirk Nannis, an Australian who had done well for Victoria, Middlesex and the Delhi Daredevils, had never managed a game for the Australian team. So he used his Dutch passport to play for the Netherlands in the 2009 World Cup. He impressed so much that in the following World Cup, he would play for Australia, where he would be the leading wicket-taker. It's an incredible thing to think a former Dutch cricketer was playing for another nation and absolutely dominating. Despite the fact that Netherlands are still not an ICC full member yet, although having heard this history, you would be hard-pressed to say that they haven't deserved it, they have actually already played a test match. They hosted South Africa for the women's test match in Utrecht in 2007. Jollet Hartenhoff took 4 for 62. Caroline Defu took 3 for 27. And they bowled out South Africa for 232. Violet Wattenberg and Marty Costa then took them to 66 for two, but that was it for them. The Dutch defended and defended and did not hit a single boundary. They scored only 108 and 50, but batted 163 overs in that test match. There was some help from the rain, but they fought and fought, and they took that game right to the last session. I think the one thing that we've seen with Dutch cricket is they do not give in easily. Because cricket in Netherlands has managed to stay afloat despite two world wars, with harsh competition from football and hockey, and yet it continues to survive. We also know this just from modern history. In the 2014 World Cup, they made 133 against England. They should have been beaten easily. Instead, they bowled them out for 88. In that same tournament, they chased 190 inside 14 overs to qualify for the Super 10s against Ireland. And of course that game that we entered at at the start. You can actually go back and find an entire Double Century episode about it where Peter Boren, Dirk Nannis and Peter Saylor actually talk about that game. It is one of the most extraordinary games in cricket history. But to give you just the brief crib notes, one of their players sold tickets to the fans. Their future captain, Peter Saylor, did the penguin dance and claims that he didn't own any pads. Tom DeGruth was a little-known cricketer who made the biggest innings of his life and then never really did it again. And finally, Edgar Schiffley, a bowler who had hurt himself earlier in his innings and never really made any runs at any time after that, hit a ball back to Stuart Broad and somehow stole two runs. In the Netherlands, cricket survived the ball war, two more bigger wars, and the fact that Netherlands wasn't a Commonwealth nation. But there is surviving, and then there is beating England at Lords in a World Cup. Two runs to win for Netherlands. Stuart Broad stops it, doesn't get the direct hit. He's coming back for the second. Would you believe it? Overthrow gives Netherlands a win. And what an upset in the very first game of the ICC World 2020. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. 
Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Double Century is my podcast about the history of the game, but I have another podcast called Red Inca, which is on the current game. Come over and hear us talking about when Faf Duplessis is topless or why T20 cricket is broken. Red Inca can be found where you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.